And so the reformed person, writes Bavink, is always tracing things back to the glory of God. How is this from God? How is God redeeming this? And how is God going to be glorified in the end of an individual person's life? Or how has God created a church and working in a church and going to be exalted in sort of the telos of the church or the purpose of a church? And even in the denominational level, we should love that God has created the Christian Reformed Church and is working in the CRC and always keeping at the fore the glory of God for the goal of our denomination too. Welcome to Reformed Podmatics, a weekly podcast hosted by Pastor Mark Van Dyke and Pastor Zach Dewey of Almond Valley Christian Reformed Church in Ripon, California. In each episode, we strive to apply Reformed theology to life and ministry in the 21st century. Thanks for joining us for this week's conversation. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to yet another episode of Reformed Podmatics. I am Pastor Zach. And I'm Pastor Mark. And today we are marking our 150th uh, episode, which is quite the Uh, landmark for us. Never thought we would get here. Every time we hit a a multiple of 50, I'm quite surprised with ourselves. (laughs) I never knew how far this was going to get all the way back in the summer of 2020. Mm -hmm during the sort of middle of the COVID pandemic and things were locked down and we were looking for creative ways to reach out to particularly our congregation. Yeah. Just looking back at where we've been, we started with a handful of YouTube videos, which I think are still, I think so. Yeah. Still up on our church's (laughs) YouTube channel. Uh, You can find them, but uh, here we are 150 episodes in. We we decided after a few weeks of those YouTube videos that that was probably not the best Mm -hmm. path forward. And, it would be would be simpler to just do this podcast, and I I really never envisioned we would make it out of the first few months. <laughs> I've come across several podcasts in my life where uh, it's a really interesting sounding podcast as an idea, but then you look and there's only three or four episodes. Yeah, they sort of puttered out uh, years before you find the podcast. I don't know if anybody else has had that experience, but here we are. And it's really just through the grace of God. And I think just because we really enjoy these conversations that Mm -hmm. we have where I think we are iron sharpening iron to put it simply, Mm -hmm. uh, kind of uh, sharing our ideas and putting them out there for the world to hear and sometimes to appreciate, sometimes to critique. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's been a really awesome and wonderful ride. So thank you guys for listening. I'm still surprised that when people tell me, oh, I, I listen to your podcast. And I think, really? <laughs> but there there are some of you out there who listen, and we are incredibly humbled by that and thankful for it. Yeah. Well, a, a big thanks goes also to our church. And so we're encouraged to do this by our council and encouraged yeah. to continue by many members of the church. I've never really gotten a sense from anyone in our church that this is that we're wasting our time or um, kind of, uh, um, you, you know, just getting distracted from some of the other ministry things that we're supposed to do. I think our church, thankfully, understands that ours is a teaching ministry mm-hmm. uh, for both of us, and this is a way that we can teach the congregation, as many of the listeners are members of our church, Almond Valley CRC in Ripon, and um, many are in the Christian Reformed Church, and so... Um, Mm -hmm. That was one thing that I know excited um, a few of the elders early on is that we want to make a difference, not just locally, but throughout the Christian Reformed Church. Almond Valley actually has 
a tradition of being, um, I wouldn't say an influential church. Um, that could sound maybe a little bit prideful, but um, but kind of a church that's engaged with the, the broader conversation. And so, yeah. um, for example, there's a member of our church who went with um, Resonant Global Mission to Japan and South Korea to mm. evaluate some of the ministries happening there. And um, there are various people, um, even at the denominational leadership level, that have been members of Almond Valley in the past. And that might make us sound like a real mover and shaker kind of church. We're just a, <laughs> a um, sort of a, a smaller, mid-sized congregation, and um, and yet um, I think our church actually does kind of get the mission of ministering to people outside of our walls, and this is one of the ways that we do that. I I, I like to tell people that our command in the Great Commission is to make disciples of all nations, and hmm. it's pretty cool to see all the different nations that are represented in our listenership. Um, Australia, the United Kingdom, the Netherlands, Costa Rica, um, the Philippines has quite a few listeners. Um, it's pretty amazing to see who's who's listening, and uh, it's, it's awesome to see that we, we can make an impact on people. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, obviously, podcasts are not the only way or the best way even yep. to be discipled, but they are, I, I can at least give a testimony in my own life to mm -hmm. the importance that podcasts have played in shaping my thinking, uh, helping me to to hear differing opinions. I really love podcasts where it's more than one person. It's often hard to listen to one person give a monologue on a podcast, although sometimes I do do it. I appreciate where there's two or three or even four different people discussing, and you can hear different viewpoints and think mm -hmm. through things, and you can hear of things that are being referenced, uh, maybe different books or authors or theologians. And so yeah, I've I've grown a lot, and so I, I hope and pray that those, especially overseas and places where being a Christian is something that mm -hmm. you you are forced to do in a way that's a little bit more underground and secretive. That something like this, if if you stumble across it in the sovereignty of God, that you would be blessed by it. I think that's an incredible thing, and it's it's amazing to see how God is using us even in those those kinds of places. So. Mm -hmm. Again, we really thank you guys for listening, and we hope and pray that this podcast can continue to be a place for you to think and to have your ideas supported or maybe challenged, and that you can be stirred to thinking as you grow in your love for the Lord and in your worship of Him. And so today, we're not doing anything too special for our 150th episode. We're not doing a podcast on our podcast or anything like that. We're just going to be doing an episode on our denomination, looking at uh, sort of where we go from here. Uh, we've been clear over the course of our podcast career here uh, that the CRC is having sort of an identity crisis. That's the language. Maybe it's overused, but that's the language I I tend to, to use because I sense that that is what's going on. Maybe, Mark, you can disagree or add your own thoughts to that, but it seems like we're fair. at a church at a crossroads that mm -hmm. is trying to figure out who we are going to be in the 21st century. Uh, we more or less know who we've been uh, since our uh, humble beginnings in the 1850s and who we've been in the 20th century as we kind of became known, I would say, as kind of the philosophical giants of the Protestant and evangelical world. Uh, but who are we now in the 21st first century? We've had some interesting synods, of course, that have 
sort of laid out a trajectory for where we are heading, uh, which many uh, appreciate, including ourselves, but many don't. And so hmm. we're we're asking these questions, I think, as a denomination, almost all of us are, uh, no matter where we land on the issues of the Human Sexuality Report or uh, other things that are revolving sexuality in general, uh, these kinds of questions are something we're all having to wrestle with. And many people have sort of thrown their their ideas out there. Um, and so, in, in, I guess, <laughs> in a simple admission, we are doing the same here. We are just throwing mm-hmm. our ideas of kind of our vision for the CRC. What kind of denomination do we want to be? That's the big question. Yeah, this is, um, it's, it's kind of, Interesting that we, we talked about this actually a few days ago as a topic, and I just noticed today, it's, uh, it's Wednesday um, here at, at recording time, that uh, the Calvin Theological Seminary Forum is releasing an issue. Their next issue is going to be all around the question of what does it mean to be reformed? Hmm. And so, hey, good for them for um, tackling that topic that certainly every minister needs to have a solid answer to, but... Hopefully more and more people in the pews are gaining in their understanding of not just what it means to be a Christian, to believe the gospel, to, to know the basics of Jesus' life, and to believe that his death accomplished uh, the forgiveness of our sins and, and everlasting life. Um, but, but beyond that, um, what, what does it mean to be a Reformed Christian? Hmm. And uh, so there's going to be a lot of overlap between answering that question and casting our vision, you might say, for what the Christian Reformed Church um, might be or should be. And um, even as, as you can know, that uh, it, it really matters to us that we're not just riffing uh, in this episode on what we think, but mm. um, I've really um, grown in my understanding of this topic as I've read more Calvin and Bovink and Kuiper. Um, I would say those are the three great theologians in the the kind of that that continue to shape the identity and direction of the Christian Reformed Church for sure um, in a lot of ways it, it would be those three uh, mm-hmm. Calvin Bovink and Kuiper and so uh, we want to infuse not just scripture into the conversation but um, the wisdom of those church fathers into this really important matter as we think about where the CRC needs to be going yeah and so I think we could start by laying out maybe the alternative options, uh, options that I think are being discussed and worked through. Uh, And so maybe this isn't all of them. I don't know that this is an exhaustive list, but it's a sort of simple list of uh, what what I'm gathering from uh, other people in the CRC about where they think the CRC ought to head. And so the first one, I guess I can call the big tent option. These are names I literally just came up with. I <laughs> uh, didn't think too hard about them. So uh, take take it for what it is. But I, I think there are some in the CRC that wish for us to sort of lower the standards for membership and even for ordination uh, and to make our, our denomination sort of a big tent. Uh, in some ways, this reminds me of my time in the Episcopal Church, uh, in, in, in the Anglican sort of world, where there are, there are some Anglicans, especially in the more mainline uh, variations of Anglicanism, that really do see themselves as a b- big tent. There's really nothing stable that holds them together, uh, except for a few 
commitments to some to some big ideas, but then beyond that, anything and everything goes essentially. And so you have all kinds of variation in practice. There's not really any sort of central holding um, ideas or even really a mechanism for for holding that sort of centrality. And so. Hmm. You'd, you'd have some some Anglicans that look one way and some that you go to another church and they look totally different. They think totally differently. They act totally differently. They worship totally differently. And so this is kind of what I think some in the CRC are wanting to be, kind of more of a mainline church where uh, there's not really high, uh, high levels of uh, – I don't know, not high levels, high standards maybe is a better word for what it means to be a member. It's maybe just, we really just focus on the Apostles' Creed, Mm. uh, and if you believe that, then you are welcome to be a a member and maybe even a minister. And so it's lowering that sort of confessional identity in order to allow everyone to sort of come aboard. Some of the people in that camp would be among those who were most frustrated with the last two synods. And yeah. so um, they've been very surprised at, uh, um, they would say, how narrow things are being defined in the Human Sexuality Report and um, mm-hmm. how the Covenant for Office Bearers is uh, is going to require that people hold to this interpretation of question and answer 108 of the Heidelberg Catechism, for example. Um, th- those people are very frustrated by, um, by that that approach to the confessions and hmm. um, the covenants that we sign to keep as particularly as ministers and elders and deacons in the Christian Reformed Church. So yeah. um, that that is where some want us to go. That's, <laughs> full disclosure, not going to be the direction that, that we would suggest would be good for the Christian Reformed Church, especially in terms of faithfulness to God's Word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so maybe in some ways you could say that this is the approach of the Better Together movement, uh, that's sort of saying we should just stick it stick it out. Uh, I've even heard some advocate for the idea that uh, our denomination becomes more of something that you affiliate with with uh, voluntarily, only in the sense that uh, it really doesn't have much power over hmm. over each church. But you could theoretically each church could be a part of the CRC and another denomination. It was kind of just a way of explaining uh, what your theology looks like. And so you could sort of wear the badge of, yeah, we're part of the CRC. We're also a part of this. We're a part of this. Uh, I I don't think that that is maybe the best way forward. I think it's uh, an unhelpful thing to think of that or to think of of a denomination in that way. And I don't think it even really approaches what our confessional standards do teach Mm -hmm. about uh, what a church is to be and what kind of uh, accountability a church is to have with other churches. Uh, it seems more like a Baptistic model to move in that direction, which would then be kind of just cutting off the branch that we're all sitting on. Uh, but maybe another option out there besides the big tent option could be the pipe dream option, which I don't see as really being a feasible option after synods 2022 and 2023, which is why I call it the pipe dream. But it would be to sort of become a, a, the the kind of church that is totally embracing of the sexual ethic of our day, of our broader culture, uh, a church that is very clearly uh, sort of mainline, open and affirming. Uh, I, I think we clearly have taken that off the table mm. uh, in our synods, and so 
I don't think too much needs to be said. Maybe a more interesting one to riff on would be what I'll call the pre-96 option, which is the option of trying to go back to the way the CRC was before things went haywire in the 90s. Uh, it's mm-hmm. sort of a, a golden age restoration kind of idea here. Make the uh, CRC great again. Make the CRC great again. <laughs> Let's go back to before there was women's ordination. Uh, we can be one of those confessional uh complementarian churches and stern we want to be a part of napark again the north american presbyterian and reformed uh, association of churches i can't remember the exact (laughs) acronym but we want to be a part of that grand movement we want to be seen not as the the weird kids on the truly reformed block Uh, Mm. we want to be we want to be truly reformed and accepted just like everyone else and so uh, we want to be hard-nosed and stern and yeah, I, I think in some ways this is the one, I guess, if you wanted to pigeonhole the two of us into, this would be the closest. Uh, I think we are very much about being confessional. Uh, we are both complementarian and yeah, I would, I would love for the CRC to be complementarian. Uh, do I think it's going to be? I don't, I don't think so. Not anytime soon, at least I'm under, under no illusions that it will be. Uh, but I think I think where I, where I go I get off the the ship with this one is that sort of stern cold cold idea of just taking it back to the way things used to be. Uh, I've heard of how the th- way things used to be. I've I've had enough conversations with people to realize that was not a golden era. Mm-hmm. I don't want to go back to that. My goal in the CRC is to not just go back to some uh, supposed golden age. I don't think one exists. Uh, I think there is possibly a better future. And so with all of these kind of out of the way, I think we can kind of lay the groundwork mm-hmm. for where we would like the CRC to to begin moving uh, and what we think would be the healthiest and most God-honoring, that's the more important one, mm-hmm. the more God-honoring vision and approach, sort of the path for us to follow as a denomination. Well, it's interesting to look at each of those options because I feel like each one actually makes a a very narrow kind of definition of what it means to be Christian Reformed, um, which ironically, actually, the big tent option is defining it in a very narrow way, Hmm. that um, if you're going to be a a part of the CRC, you need to be okay with the different positions on homosexuality. Yeah. That's actually a pretty narrow definition of, um, of, of a person who is as a member of a Christian Reformed Church or a pastor in the mm-hmm. CRC. Uh, and so the, the marketing would, would make it seem like it's just for anyone. Yeah. But actually, in, in reality, it ends up being a call to not care. Well, not not caring, but, but, but being indifferent towards yeah. the, uh, the, the teaching yeah. um, of Am- something like human, maybe would be a good right, human sexuality report. Um, and so um, obviously, in the same way, um, the the pre ninety six option that you refer to, um, if people who who are really striving towards that would have their way, then we would become a much narrower denomination, um, which which I think in a lot of ways would be to the detriment of the the denominational health. And so, mm-hmm. uh, what what is our vision based on reading we've done, um, preaching sermons? Um, you know, I'm restarting the catechism this coming Sunday night and. I've been teaching the catechism for several years and preached through it already and the Belgic Confession and so forth. And 
So what have we really learned about <laughs> Reformed doctrine and the Christian Reformed Church over that time? I think um, it, it does all boil down to the glory of God. And, and so if we want to put our vision for the denomination into some categories, we could think first about doctrine, and I think that doctrine has to point to the glory of God, a uh, doxological um, approach to doctrine that uh, we love to praise God. God is worthy of worship, obedience. Um, he's accomplished for us an amazing salvation through Christ. Um, that we are Calvinists in that we have an extremely high view of the glory of God and also a very mm. sober and um, uh, kind of uh, sad view <laughs> in at the state of humanity yeah. um, that is apart from God. And so we are a Calvinistic denomination. I think that uh, rather than talking about this reformed accent, which I think is an unhelpful term, um, we could mm. talk about being Calvinists. And, mm-hmm. uh, and that, <laughs> of course, one of the doctrines there, total depravity, that God would um, save sinners who are lost, dead in transgressions and sins. And what an amazing mm. thing it is that God would show his grace to sinners, sinners like Zach and I, and that in Christ he's redeemed us. And so um, salvation is for the glory of God. Creation is for the glory of God. Um, the law is for the glory of God. Um, people engaging in the arts and in the world of business and in politics, it's all done for the glory of God and, um, and hopefully is, is a part of God's kingdom coming on earth as it as it is even in heaven. And so the, the passage to me that is the cornerstone of Reformed theology is Romans 11, verse 36, yeah. um, where it says that, that from, from Christ, from him and through him and to him are all things and to him be the glory forever. And so the Reformed person, writes Bavink, is always tracing things back to hmm. the glory of God. Um, how is this from God? How is this how is God redeeming this, and how is God going to be glorified in the end um, of an individual person's life, or how's, how has God created a church and working in a church and going to be exalted in sort of um, the telos of the church or the purpose of a church, um, and even in the denominational level. We, we, should, we should love that God has created the Christian Reformed Church and is working in the CRC hmm. and uh, and always keeping at the fore the glory of God for the goal of our denomination too. Yeah, the glory of God is a concept that is it was part of the reason I became Reformed. I grew up, as many of you will know, outside of the Reformed tradition and uh, while I'm extremely thankful for much of what I learned and what I was taught and how I was discipled by my my leaders and my pastors. Uh, One of the things that really caught my attention early on with the Reformed view of of all things was that God was truly at the center. Uh, There was a profound love, almost a, a... Reformed theology was almost fiendish for God, if, if I if I want to put it that way. Maybe uh, there was uh, there was a sort of blurriness to all things except for God. There was it was a central focus on God above all things. Uh, whereas I'd always sort of seen God as a means to an end. Uh, that's I don't I don't think I was ever taught that explicitly. I don't think anyone in in my uh, 
past would have would have affirmed that notion uh, but it, it just kind of seemed that god was this great great uh, vending machine in the sky who if i uh, was nice to and if i believed in and i would get all the things that i that i wanted uh, and so there was a book for me early on in my sort of transition into the reformed faith called uh, god is the gospel by john piper that was extremely influential, and it was the first John Piper book I read. I read it before even Desiring God. And I remember at one point in that book, he he starts out with this thought, and it's a thought that has stuck with me ever since. It may be the most central thought in my own sort of theological development that I've ever come across. And I still think about it constantly. But he basically says, if you could have heaven with all of the great things of this world, uh, like all the great food, all the great sights, all the great friends and family, all the, the nice house, the nice car, if you could have all of this in heaven without God, would it still be heaven to you? Uh, that was a question which struck me right to my core. And it helped me to see that God is truly the good news, having God, being in a relationship with God. Uh, and so that's, that sort of big vision of God, the, the center, central being the central focus, is something that has forever changed how I view what it means to be a Christian. Uh, I think so often we, we use theology for various purposes in order to justify different causes or ideas that we have or kind of high horses but the christian view of god is or the, the reformed view of god is truly uh, a unique view of god it puts him at the center stage and his glory is to be seen as above all else and what else could take his place nothing could take god's place and so it makes perfect sense god is god the greatest gift is knowing him is to know christ to see him and behold him and in this life in the scriptures, but in the life to come when we will see him face to face. And so that sort of identity as a, as a denomination, I, I hope that that's our identity, mm-hmm. a denomination that sees uh, God above all things and su- sees him as the supreme source of joy, the su- supreme source of satisfaction in life, and that he would be glorified in that. I, mm-hmm. So in some ways, I'm still very Piperian, I guess you might say. <laughs> Not just Kyperian, but Piperian. Uh, because that that vision of Reformed theology, I think, actually is true. It's not just John Piper. Mm. You re- go back into the Reformed faith historically, and that is clearly there. It is a central focus on who God is and all that he is in his goodness and glory. Yeah, I thought comes to mind is is you're uh you're talking you know a, a lot of people would say well yeah doesn't every church aren't they interested in the glory of god and so yeah. what what right, distinguishes right. a christian reformed church from a uh a, a lutheran church or a roman catholic church that loves the glory of god i would say one is our confessional identity so mm-hmm. um the glory of god of course being a a great theme um i think especially in the opening articles of the belgic confession and mm-hmm. <laughs> certainly the canons of dort as well which refer in my favorite part of the Cans of Dorth to the infinite value of Christ's atoning death and um, and just the uh, the weight of the gospel and the beauty of the gospel just far surpasses any other any other um, 
doctrinal expression, I think. In, in the Reformed Church, there's, there's this, this focus on um, how it all points to God and his greatness, God and mm. his, his amazing works. Um, um, Boving really draws this out in the first volume of Reformed Dogmatics as he's contrasting mm. the Lutheranism of his day with, um, with the Reformed theology that, that he was teaching and promoting, which um, he basically said uh, for, for many Lutherans, um, which I think is probably even more so the case today among non-denominational churches or mm. um, I would say less doctrinal um, churches the the main question is how how must I what must I do to be saved yeah um, how can I be saved which then starts with a human question what mm-hmm. what could I get out of uh, a relationship with Christ coming to church um, all those things yeah um, whereas he says the reform person traces all things back to God so hmm. where where some Christians start with what is actually a good question what must I do to be saved? Um, the reform person says, no, there's something even below that at a foundational level. What has God done? Who is God? And um, therefore, preaching really focuses on that in the Christian Reformed Church, hopefully, and yeah. um, is not just answering the question of salvation, but is, is actu- actually answering a deeper question of how is God being glorified in the world? Well, certainly one way is saving sinners, from from death and hell, um, but there are other ways. It's it's a fuller gospel yeah. than just the the gospel of soteriology. Yeah, the gospel touches on all things. Yeah. Uh, it is holistic, uh, and it all goes back to the glory of God. That's the source of it all. I think that's absolutely right. Bobink uh, clearly knows his reformational history. Uh, the Lutherans had good questions. <laughs> I would still say that they That's do. A biblical question. And I'm still thankful. Yeah. How, what, what must I do to be saved? Comes straight out of the Gospels. Uh, I, I think it's fair to say. Maybe my Lutheran friends and family will reject this notion, but it's fair to say that I think when Calvin came along, he uh, he corrected in some sense that 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 sort of anthropocentric approach and and created a theocentric approach. And this is, I think, true of the Reformed tradition to this day. It's one of the most unique facets of Reformed theology. Many, many episodes ago, we did a converse, we had a conversation about the, the benefits mm-hmm. and the gifts of other denominations. Well, when I think about the benefit and the gift of the Reformed faith, I, I think this is it. Uh, this is maybe the benefit of the Reformed faith. Uh, there's an interesting article by a professor of mine uh and it's on bavink it's on bavink's doctrine of god Hmm. and maybe we can put this in our show notes it's called the central dogma order and principles for reformed catholicity and he makes this interesting point i just want to quote this for our readers Uh, he's kind of comparing uh reformed theology to others this is not bavink speaking this is michael allen he says this the reformed tradition has taken a catholic doctrine of god and reformed Christian doctrine by applying it more synthetically, that is, more broadly and consistently. By analyzing the center of reformed theology in the doctrine of God, the principled roots of reformed Catholic theological practice can be better appreciated. So what he's saying here, and he's going to go on to use Bavink to make this argument, that's towards the beginning of this article, uh, I would highly recommend people check this out. But he basically argues that what makes Reformed theology unique is that we have taken a Catholic doctrine, and by that he means a sort of historic doctrine of God from the ancient 
Catholic Church, the creeds of the early church, and we have applied that more consistently, he says, to all things. God, a God-centeredness informs Reformed theology in a more consistent way than any other system of doctrine, including Lutheranism, but of course also we would argue Roman Catholicism or Methodism or other sorts of traditions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is a unique focus, the doctrine of God. We put God at the center of all things and then we see how things play out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that is, a, I think, a really well put and succinct way of understanding how the Reformed tradition is unique. Yeah, and... Um People could sort of wonder what this sounds like or, or how this is worked out. I think um, my hope for the Christian Reformed Church is that the Word of God would yeah. be so central to every ministry in the Christian Reformed Church because of this theocentrism. So, for example, um, um, international ministries really elevating the gospel itself and the distribution of the Word of God mm-hmm. to people um, more, more so honestly, than yeah. just the the helping of, of people with their, their physical needs and so forth, um, yeah. which is important, right? Um, yeah, for sure. We're, we're, we're told in the Bible it does someone no good to say, go and be well and not give them the, the, the food that they're hungry for. And so, obviously, um, helping to meet people's physical needs is, is an important, loving thing for um, a church to do. But given the the call to radical theocentrism that that god is at the center and that um new life in christ is is really the only life certainly that that will last um the only blessing that will last uh then that should be then the goal of all of the missions agencies of the christian reformed church and uh and and to my knowledge, many people who work in the, the missions agencies of the CRC do have a theocentric approach to their work. But, um, but I think that at times, um, any congregation, um, ourselves included, um, any person in the Christian Reformed Church can get off track a little bit towards a more human-centered ministry, um, meeting the mm. felt needs of people, um, yeah. perhaps before we start, before we um, just go with, uh, say preaching through a book of the Bible, or yeah. uh, or just uh, doing ministry in a way that that God has instructed that might seem like, oh man, that'll never work in this world. Yeah. That'll that 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 would never bear fruit. But yeah. that seems to be how Jesus did something, or how um, the Apostle Paul went into a town and just preached the gospel. You know mm-hmm. where he went. Um, didn't start community gardens right away, and you know <laughs> do those things and just build relations like. All, all those things have their time and place, but but really, right. it's the word of God in trans in transforming lives that was the Apostle Paul's method for hmm. his missions work. And so, um, I think that that's where that's where I hope we go even more so in the Christian Reformed Church um, mm-hmm. is just to do um, ministry in a in a traditionally Reformed word centric way. You know, I just heard yesterday. Um, uh, an interview with Dude Perfect. Um, so Dude Perfect are these YouTubers who make trick shots and they have 60 million subscribers. And I was really, I admire these guys. They're Christian, five Christian men. And uh, they just started their their channel and their first, the first um, company that came to Dude Perfect with a sponsorship deal was a beer company. Hmm. Because they're college guys, they're making yeah. trick shots. It's sort of right in that culture, that sweet spot you might say of, hmm. You need to be drinking a beer while you're doing this. Yeah, and yeah. so they said, 
no, we're not into drinking, really. Um, nothing really against having a drink occasionally, but that's not going to be our image because we're Christian men. Yeah. And so they 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 um, rejected their first sponsorship offer, which was from a beer company, hmm. just because on principle, even though the whole world would have said, "This is good for you. Take this. Yeah. Do it. Do it this way, and you're yeah. going to make a lot of money." Um, but they they ended up linking up with Nerf because they became more of a kids <laughs> channel and. Um, and they did so out of Christian convictions, and you know they they have sixty million subscribers now because <laughs> families trust them. They're not going to have beer in their videos, and they're not going to swear. Yeah. And and anyways, the point is just showing how just doing things on principles, um, which in the Christian Reformed Church will look certain ways, um, hmm. preaching God's word unapologetically, um, might the world will tell us that's not going to work. Mm-hmm. That's not going to bring people and that's going to offend people but um i think that that story of dude perfect is a is is a parable i hope for of what what great christian ministry could be it could be fruitful um Mm. even in a worldly sense um and and even if it isn't we'll know that we're just trying to glorify god in what we do yeah there's a simplicity to this uh it's it's a simplification i think a lot of pastors and ministry leaders can get really hung up on being anthropocentric and trying to just meet the needs of their congregation, the felt needs, maybe not so much even the spiritual needs as, as the true needs that we all have as human beings for God. And so ministers can overcomplicate things. And I think we should, we could summarize that whole entire last 15 minutes of our show here just by Mm -hmm. saying glory to God uh, that should be our focus as a denomination. We want to give God, God the glory in everything that we do, and our focus should be on that. And in that, we will actually find joy for ourselves. Uh, I think another thing we could add to this, and there's a lot to add, mm-hmm. it's not just about our doctrinal vision, I think. We need to have also a, a cultural vision. Um, and the, as the CRC, we have a long history of this, uh, of cultural engagement, being a denomination that is by no means uh, insular or uh, sort of running away from society. We are in many ways, I think, quite the opposite of this Anabaptistic tendency mm. uh, mm-hmm. to pull away from the broader secular culture and to use secular as a bad word always. Uh, I don't think the CRC does that. I don't think our sort of forefathers uh, have taught that approach. And so I think we need to be thinking still about how we engage the culture, how we speak uh, forth the truth of the gospel into our present cultural moment. This is the mandate for every generation, uh, and it looks slightly different depending on the cultural context of every generation. Uh, But I think at times this is going to, of course, mean that we are uh, standing on positions that some might see as conservative. Mm. Uh, We are also going to be standing on positions, I think, when we're behaving and living in a Christian way that some people might actually see as progressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, don't, I don't think that the Christian worldview, the Christian approach to uh, to living in this world lines up too well uh, with the sort of modern understanding or the modern categories of progressive and conservative or Republican and Democrat. Uh, I, I think it's a completely different thing. You might think of uh, Jesus as 
a leader of a totally different kind of movement who's mm-hmm. uh, who's not worried about these different parties that we find ourselves in in the 21st century, uh, the two parties that we we seem to have at least here in the United States. I can't speak to the Canadian context. I really have no no clear understanding. But uh, cultural engagement in the CRC is something that we seek to do. Mark, you already yeah. mentioned a little bit about the arts, and and you've been pre- preaching through uh, the last few weeks of Genesis and talking a lot about how being a Christian informs our work, how we work in the world. We're, whether our work is ministry work in the sort of uh, official uh, sense that we are ministers in a church or whether our work is uh, out in the world in our mm-hmm. different office, office places with our coworkers, our employees, uh, employers, and so on. I think the, the Reformed vision speaks much to this. And uh, because the gospel is holistic, it's not just about... Uh, people's souls, but it's also about people's lives. The Reformed faith does seek mm-hmm. to uh, to be a witness and to serve God as he's building his kingdom uh, among his people on earth as it is in heaven. This is what we pray for. We seek that God's kingdom would come, and by his grace, he, he has been building it faithfully for the past 2,000 years. Uh, and so this is something I think is a long legacy, and we need to think through how we as a denomination will continue to hold uh, hold our ground on on these issues. Yeah, I would love to see the Christian Reformed Church um, move towards uh, <clears throat> or, or continue in cultural engagement and um, encourage people to get involved in the political world and in yeah, uh, starting a community garden and, and, and all of that. Yeah. Um, so long as the goal is always to exalt Christ and to draw people into the church mm-hmm. um, and and into a relationship with God through Christ, I think um, um, there was this this way of of talking about I would say fifteen years ago about evangelism, and one of the buzzwords was we we have no agenda. You know, mm-hmm. it's like we're just going to go into a conversation with no agenda. It's like that is not Christianity. Yeah. We have an agenda, and that is to glorify God yeah. and to yeah. evangelize and yeah. to Let's see not people. Pretend that we don't. <laughs> like um, we have a community garden for an agenda of. Yeah. Um, not not just. I think it's ju- right to say we, we're not going to manipulate you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so maybe that's, that's what people were referring I think that's to. That's the idea. But I totally hear you. I, I think that to say we don't have an agenda is a complete lie. That's an agenda. Saying you don't have an agenda <laughs> is an agenda of its own. Yeah. We have a tell us. We have a reason for uh, inviting a neighbor over for for dinner. And uh, I, I like that you gave that correction, Zach. It's not to manipulate somebody or to coerce somebody yeah. into. Yeah, if you have a community garden, and the point of the community garden in, in your mind is to reach people with the good news of Christ, which is a great hey, thing. Awesome. Uh, that doesn't mean that you are making them sign contracts. If you're going to be in this community <laughs> garden, you yeah, have to Christian. become a member yeah. of a church and become a Christian. No, yeah. that's absolutely not it. They may never become a Christian. Uh, obviously, that sort of thing doesn't uh, rely totally on you. You you can't save someone. Only God can do that. And so we we shouldn't have those kinds of manipulative mm-hmm. tactics, but we definitely uh, want to be advocating always for the cause of the gospel. Yeah, and so um, I I'd love for us to to continue in that kind of cultural engagement, which is yeah. um, agenda driven in that it is gospel motivated that that people would have knowledge of Jesus and be set free from their sin, from their shame, from guilt mm-hmm. that they would 
be set on the straight and narrow path. All of that is is within the the agenda very much of the Christian church, broadly speaking, and, and including the Christian Reformed Church. And so, um, yeah, yeah, I think and maybe that's that's about as much as, as I guess I'd want to say on cultural transformation. And so we could move into this area of piety and what do we hope for, um, you might say, the ethical or the uh, matters or, or conscience of the Christian Reformed Church. I mean, I'm talking in pretty lofty ways, I guess, here. Mm. That um, So I, I guess I want to be careful that these are just some hopes that that I have for myself and for our local church and um, would, yeah. would probably be a good thing for the, the denomination too. And I think it um, a, a Christian Reformed piety must include kindness. Mm. Um, and I, I see that as one of the differentiating factors between us and some of the other Reformed um, denominations where um, from from interactions with with people of of some of the other reformed and more conservative denominations, there's a real culture of suspicion. Um, oh, you sang that song that was that was written by so and so. That that was no good that you did that. Yeah, and, it's and, kind of conspiracy um, theorist yeah. kind of approaches. Whereas, um, you know, we we can have an openness, I think, to to God working through all kinds of people, um, and uh, we we do hold to the doctrine of common grace in the Christian Reformed Church. That's one thing that differentiates us, uh, even doctrinally, from some of the other, um, mm. particularly Protestant Reformed Church and so forth. But um, with that doctrine of common grace, I hope also comes a kindness towards other people, knowing that God is at work in the lives of every person. And so I might have something to learn from um, from the atheist philosopher, you know, and, and could yeah. read Bertrand Russell or or read a, a critique of Christianity from Nietzsche or um, re- read something that that really does read challenge them, me. Read them um, kindly in a charitable way, right? But and, and D. A. Carson had this great statement. He said, "Be open-minded and not empty-headed." So yeah. we would approach Bertrand Russell or Nietzsche or Bill Maher or somebody who's constantly criticizing Christianity. Not because they're so convincing, um, and because we're just um, going to imagine for a while that that God doesn't exist, which is what they're positing. Yeah. But but to at least say, this could be helpfully corrective yeah. to me and to our church and to our denomination. And so, I think there can be a kindness towards somebody who is even criticizing the Christian Reformed Church or hmm. um, or me as a person or. Uh, it's hard to do this, and it requires a, a certain level of emotional intelligence that I'm trying to grow in personally. But um, but to have an openness to how God might speak is, is mm. I think, part of Christian Reformed identity too. Yeah, and I think this definitely ties in to cultural engagement, the idea of common grace, which is one of those sort of central tenets of, of Dutch Reformed theology. Uh, but it plays into how we how we live with our neighbors. And when we talk mm-hmm. about piety, piety means it, it's our behavior both vertically and horizontally, if we want to think of it that way. And so kindness, how we approach our neighbors, even our non-Christian, unbelieving neighbors, uh, how do we how do we look at them? Well, we shouldn't look at them with a, a deep sense of suspicion that, oh, they're just horrible people, and behind it all, they're, they're just being 
moved and guided by by Satan. Uh, <laughs> I think that can be some people's approach. Maybe it was your grandma's approach. I don't know. Especially but the cultural <laughs> things like music and movies. Right, right. Yeah. Behind everything, there's there's some real deep evil happening here. Well, actually, the Reformed position says the opposite. Behind everything, God is at work. Uh, God's grace is clear and evident. Uh, and so that should, that should definitely change our approach and how we treat others uh, and how we how we uh, act and behave with regard to our neighbors. I think when I think of piety, it's been interesting to me over the past several years to notice how uh, the CRC in some ways has begun, maybe this is an over oversimplification, but I think it has begun to lose its grip on this pietistic side of uh, the Christian faith. Uh, we, we're quite good at being doctrinal and at cultural transformation kinds of stuff. Uh, but there's no longer really any uh, Sunday evening services actually at, at Synod 2022. Uh, we officially sort of changed church order so that the language would better reflect the actual practice of our denomination uh, because most churches no longer do evening services. Yeah, I think and it's so, like 15%. And of so the now it says. Uh, yeah. I think it says ordinarily mm-hmm. a church will do an evening service. That yeah. ordinarily is kind of that language to say that it doesn't have to be done any longer because the pirates it of the hasn't Caribbean. Been. These are more guidelines than rules. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>. exactly. <laughs> uh, and so that's an interesting feature. And I've been doing a deep dive in Christian Reformed history the last uh, month or so for an adult Sunday school class. And one thing I've noticed is that the CRC has its roots really in the Dutch pietistic movement, which was kind of the Dutch version of Puritanism, Mm -hmm. uh, what's known as the sort of uh, second reformation or the further reformation in the Netherlands. Uh, And and so it's interesting that that was such a strong stream of reformed Christianity that led into the CRC. But I think we've gotten quite far afield from that. Uh, And and in some ways I, 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 think that there should be a return uh, to this. There should be a more central approach to our piety, to our prayer and our worship, and seeing those kinds of things as really important. But what's fascinating is that I think as we've moved in this direction to become less pious in some ways as a denomination, I've also seen a lot of prayer initiatives and fasting initiatives uh, in other ways. And so it's not quite completely true to say we've become less pietistic uh, mm-hmm. I, but I think that we we could start with a good return to uh, to worship uh, and to seeing worship as a central feature. Uh, I think even in some ways we've gotten far away from seeing Sunday morning worship as mm-hmm. being central. A lot of people uh, kind of come and go as they please and will often miss church. But I think we should see gathered fellowship of the saints as really central uh, and I would include in there maybe a conversations we could have in the future about evening worship services. Uh, maybe that's another episode yet to come. Yeah. Well, um, hey, I'll, I'll throw it out there. I, I hope the Christian Reformed Church moves back into a direction of having more and more evening worship services. Um, that sounds totally crazy, I recognize, to a lot of people um, maybe who are listening this, especially if it's been a very long time since you had evening worship at your church or you're maybe a part of a church plant that never had one before. Um, but I, I think that's one of those issues. Um, first of all, um, it, among those in the conservative reformed movement, uh, they almost make it sounds like the Bible commands 
where you need to worship twice on Sunday. So that's going way too far with yeah. with the instruction to have an evening service, making it sound like if you're a real Christian, you'll want to go to church twice on Sunday. Um, that's not what I'm really arguing for, but the pendulum, uh, the, pe- the pendulum, sorry, has has <laughs> swung very much to the opposite extreme, where not just evening service is kind of a take it or leave it, but even morning worship, as you've mentioned, can be um, kind of an optional type of thing. And and if we're a reformed denomination where the word of God and the glory of God are so central to our life, we should really love gathering together mm-hmm. with the saints. Um, and so I've been so extremely blessed by our evening worship service and somebody would come to one of our evening services and they might be a little bit surprised by that because they might say i was just kind of a normal you know 50 minute service with a more of a teaching sermon and we just sang some hymns and prayed and yeah it was really simple why are you so blessed by that and to me it's about a routine and of starting the lord's day in worship and of concluding the lord's day in worship and um, it's similar to that, that Dude Perfect story I told where um, on, from the human side, it might seem like a waste of time or a, a silly decision hmm. to resume an evening worship service for a church. But to me, on the spiritual theological side, I've just seen so much fruit and so much goodness in that. And so uh, I would love to see, um, I know against the tide of culture, a, a return to more Sunday evening worship services in the Christian Reformed Church. Um, and, and one thing came to mind as you were talking, Zach, about cultural engagement and kindness and openness. Um, um, you know, listeners, please don't hear us saying that it's no big deal if you watch a rated R movie that's full of sex, drugs, and um, all kinds of debauchery. You know, that's not what we're saying at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we, we are saying is to have a kindness towards um, people who are stuck in a and their their transgressions, they're stuck in their sin, and um, not to be um, cruelly judgmental of such a person, mm-hmm. and to stand far off from them, but to be hopefully like Christ and move towards such a person in kindness. And um, you know, I use the example of music, maybe listening to um, some some music that that refers to the the soul searching, the struggling, the um, the, the hopes and desires of people who are lost to learn more of what that perspective is like. Um, yeah, for there's sure. a band that I like called Arcade Fire and they sing a song called Creature Comforts which is about hurt um, self-harm. And uh, mm. they're not Christians but they're really giving, um, they're helping me get into the psychology of somebody who would wanna hurt themselves because they're depressed. Yeah, And um, there's no profanity in the song and, and so forth but that song really helped me listen um, and God would use, again, by common grace, um, this song by Arcade Fire to teach me something about what some teenage girls in our church might be going through right now. Yeah, so yeah. Um, to, to have that approach to culture, um, to me, uh, really does dovetail nicely with the call of Christ, the call to be kind, to listen, to value the experiences of other people. But um, hmm. maybe the last thing that I would say as we, it's time to certainly wrap things up, um, yeah. is that, uh, that I, I hope we continue to be a church that, that wants to do things in good order and in keeping with our, um, <clears throat> not just our confessions, but our church polity. And yeah. uh, where things have gone quite badly in the last few years is where congregations have done things out of order in the Christian Reformed Church, making decisions that are against the teaching of the Christian Reformed Church and have harmed the unity of our denomination. 
um, very, very profoundly harmed the unity of our denomination by um, <clears throat> several churches. I think it's more than a dozen now teaching against what God's Word and the uh, Christian Reformed Church have taught on human sexuality matters. And um, not just is that a theological, spiritual matter, but um, it's, it's an administrative matter as well in that people have a covenanted to, to do things in good order and in keeping with um, our, our, our way, our modus operandi, our way of operating. And, and I hope we can return more and more to a church that does things in the order we have covenanted to keep. Yeah, I think that that's a matter of integrity, and so that yeah. that plays along in our piety. And so this is kind of our broad brushstroke sketch of where we hope the CRC can can move, not just this year, not just the next five years, but really into the next generation and beyond, into a church that sort of synthesizes these great three uh, sort of poles or uh, hubs of piety, cultural engagement, and doctrine. The Christian faith, often we boil it down to just doctrine or just a way mm-hmm. of life or mm-hmm. just a worldview for uh, our society, but it's really none of those things. It, it's all of those things and more. Uh, one of my favorite theologians calls Christianity a life. It's its own life. It's its mm-hmm. own thing. It's its own organic thing. Uh, and so I've always appreciated that. And I think that these three ways of summarizing Christianity are a helpful approach. This is why, for example, the the historic way of catechizing Christians has been doctrine, piety, and worldview. What do I mean by that? Well, it's been by looking at the Apostles' Creed. Hmm. That's our doctrine. Our piety uh, would be our the Lord's Prayer. That's always been at the center of every catechism, worth its salt. And then finally, the Ten Commandments are th- that sort of approach to how we live in this world. Mm-hmm. And so this is kind of the be- the backbone or the bedrock of Christian foundations. And so, yeah, we thank you guys for listening. Uh, Mark, do you want to yeah, well, hey, close say, out? Yeah, we want to um, encourage people to be radically theocentric, have yeah, God at absolutely. the center, have Christ at the center, the Word of God. Um, controlling everything we do, even no matter what the world says about what is good, um, what is appropriate, what is um, admirable, you know, um, that's that's mm. Christ for us. That's what the Word of God defines as for us. And so maybe I'll conclude with the passage. It'd be good for us to read a little bit more from the Bible, I think, in an episode like this. Yeah. And it's Ephesians 3, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. And so a Christian has a hopeful view of the denomination and even the world because God is going to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine well according to his power that is at work within us to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations I hope that includes our generation and the next and even that it goes on forever and ever so that's the vision for Hmm. us personally for our church for the denomination that we would see God doing um immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine being glorified in the church and in Christ. Amen. And to that end, we will pray. And until next time, grace and peace, you guys. Bye.